p.m. 23rd of January 2024 and let's go ahead and start going through the notes I think Trump won in New Hampshire for those of you who are following the political soap opera G33 says I'm sorry but I'm in agreement with your old stuff more just saying reruns are nice well I haven't changed anything in fact if anything I've doubled down tripled down and I haven't backed down and I've realized something else as well the truther movement is a religion and it is the firewall protecting the truth or rather guard railing the truth um, protecting the power elite from being revealed as the operation or rather the operators the controllers behind this global mind control apparatus which we call mass media which looks like it's a lot of different platforms a lot of different competing ideologies but Ultimately, it's under one umbrella. It is the universal religion. And all we're doing is we're describing it accurately. But what I'm realizing is you can't see this thing from the inside. And alt media, including truthers, are inside of the model. So what I'm suggesting here is what's more important than any conversation about the model of the world. Is it flat? Is it round? Or whatever. A more important thing is about your internal worldview and I'm saying that the media is actually promulgating monolithically a model of the world and they define everything you know it's basically setting the stage for us and again the truthers are on that stage and they're actually the ones who are the I think the final firewall anyone seeking a way out is gonna have to go through them they are the obstacle in other words and it's ironic because in the very beginning it was auto-hoaxers being chastised by truthers who would say, you're trying to discredit us. And now I'm looking at it thinking, yeah, it's about time. I think we have to discredit them because they are the controlled opposition. But as far as the replays, I am definitely reaching back into the reruns to find uh, content 24-7, and I'll be updating it as we go. But if you want to pitch in for a new microphone, and again, I might just have a sound engineer come in here and see what we can do to optimize things. Um, I'm definitely going to be um, looking into that because a number of people have reported the audio is low. And I'd also like to optimize the phone system and possibly even video. And I have a person in mind, uh, actually a, a relative who used who actually has a recording studio. And they record audiobooks, albums, etc. And they're here in town, so I'm like, hmm, maybe I'll see what we can arrange. But I definitely want to take all of your input and um, act on it. All right, joined by Jennifer Reeves, Thirst for Truth, Into the Beyond, Radio or Not 31, Ears Up 7. We at IPS appreciate the support. Thank you very much. Uh, G33 says your old stuff was nice. Yeah, and it's not even that old. Although, look, the archives are only going back a couple of years. Uh, I plan to go back to 2017. So uh, another reason why I really think that I need to spend more time here and less time out doing other things, I want to really focus on this, is I want to get the 24-7 thing in order. And I want to go back through the archives, deep, deep, into stuff that we may have forgotten about. We can re-examine things with new ears, new beaks. Okay, well, the main topic today, I think we're still continuing along the lines of Laura Loomer, 
But speaking of loons, I wanted to talk about sataloons. Uh, someone in chat, I believe it was P. Trippa, had pointed out or had remarked on one of these. Was it a Starlink satellite setup? Like, how, how does this work exactly? And I think that what we're looking at is this, because I've seen these. In 2016 and in 2017, maybe it's 2017, 2018, I had seen loons, the Google loon balloons up in the sky. And um, what we're looking at are these uh, basically balloons that are designed to send signal connectivity to the ground, and they hit a radius of 40 kilometers, 3G speeds. And they failed, not because they didn't work, but because they haven't found a way to get the costs low enough. So Project Loon, it floats balloons up 12 miles above the ground, and they send internet service down to rural areas. And this means that they wouldn't have to install base stations or fiber optic cables in those areas. The idea was to deploy a fleet of balloons that would circumnavigate the planet. The balloon's flight paths would work like a conveyor belt. Whenever one balloon floats off to a new position, the next one moves in, maintaining continuous service on the ground. Now, they said it didn't work out because of finances, but I'm thinking here that they didn't want the public acclimated to the idea that we can have our internet everywhere delivered by high-altitude balloons. They want us to still think that it revolves around orbiting chunks of metal going 17,000 miles per hour a couple hundred miles above your head. They want you to stick with that. And I'm thinking here that Loon wasn't really terminated. They just rebranded it as Starlink Satellites. Loon LLC was an Alphabet Inc. subsidiary working on providing internet access to rural areas, remote areas. They use high altitude balloons in the stratosphere to create aerial wireless networks. And again, I've seen a couple of these. The balloons were maneuvered by adjusting their altitude in the stratosphere to float to a wind layer after identifying the wind layer with the desired speed and direction. Users of the service connected to the balloon network using a special internet antenna. The signal traveled through the balloon network from balloon to balloon, then to a ground-based station connected to an ISP. In 2021, they shut it down. So I'm thinking this explains Starlink satellites, which is called Starloon. Starloon satellites. And of course, we saw one of these descending a couple of years ago, and everyone thought it was a Chinese spy satellite. And what it really looked like, looked like to me is uh, maybe an, I don't know if it was intentional, but an unintentional reveal. Portal Complex says helium is scarce because of NASA. Yeah, I'm thinking we may be hitting, well, peak helium, and then all the satellites come down. But I think it's a little suspicious that, oh no, we just can't make it work because of, uh, it's just not viable in the marketplace right now, so we're going to stick with the orbiting space boxes. And then you have these Starlink satellites showing up all of a sudden, and nobody considers the possibility that it's balloons. And I saw one of these Globe Defenders on Twitter, I think it was Fight the Flat Earth, he mocked someone for suggesting Starlink was balloons. He was like, this isn't possible, lol. What a bunch of idiots. And I sent him a link to Google Loon. 
I never got a response because they don't know that low Earth orbit is fakeable. Low Earth orbit is fakeable. I would even argue that it hasn't been demonstrated to exist. Not to my satisfaction. But it exists on the world stage. Um, by the way, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, you can go to Podbean and listen to JLB. And I speak on uh, Bonversations, episode number 36. And then if you're a member at Patreon, and I want to say thank you all who have been supporters of Patreon and IPS.Monster, the main site, because you keep this tank going, and a number of you have upgraded to get the second part of this conversation with John LeBon. And a lot of it was centered around the end times neo-eschatology of truthers. Let me go ahead and play a short clip from Do You Believe the End is Near? from John LeBon. Folks, this is a very important question. Very important for a number of reasons, which I shouldn't even need to explain to you. But it's recently come to my attention how many of you believe that this is the end. And most of you who believe that also believe humans have been here for thousands of years. So in your mind, humans have been here for thousands or tens of thousands of years. A lot of you even believe that life has been here for millions of years. So you believe that life has been here for all of this time and you just happen to be living in the, the end of it all. So there you have it, a little excerpt. Do you believe the end is near? Studies say, and this is from his description here, studies say lots of people from all walks of life believe we're in the end times, not just Christians. I want to know what you believe and why. Check out the latest conversation with Tim Osmond where we discuss this question and so much more. And that was certainly a big part of what we've been discussing because I've been really hammering the point that the truthers are the final obstacle to a major breakaway oasis, a, a parallel media. We can really, I think, liberate a, a number of, uh, a large number of minds from these built-in presuppositions designed to take the free thinkers from the blissful dream world into a nightmare instead of an actual awakening. So we are confronting the doom and gloom and is it necessary? And he raises a good uh, point here. I mean, it's, it's kind of, um, I don't know if you call it arrogant or self-centered or whatever, but what do you call it when, you know, like, I happen to have been born at the right time when JFK Jr. is going to come back and save the world. It's like, it's just going to end during my lifetime. Yeah, okay. Mizell says, never-ending story. Yeah, exactly. The never-ending story. And it really is like that. If you look at the symbolism, the iconography, which we've been talking about, it's all about the cycles, the phoenix, the god of recycling, which now they merged with the green movement so they're actually worshiping the earth god they, they they are worshiping osiris they're worshiping gaia when they're recycling but ultimately it is the god of death and rebirth the recycling of souls now i find myself engaging in a, a bit of a rigorous debate on twitter actually i call a lot of people out so here's a truther who says how effed up is this s and he has an angry face emoji. He is enraged because a photo here from some kind of celebrity award show was seemingly predicted by the Simpsons. 
So he's mad about it because reality's rigged, etc. Well, he posted it and he gets a ton of clicks. But then a few minutes later, readers added context. The top picture was from 2014. So was the bottom picture. In other words, somebody made a Simpsons spoof of something. They backdated the Simpsons spoof and claimed that they predicted this exact situation. This Simpsons prediction thing is getting ridiculous. And so many of them are fake. But this guy says, how effed up is this? He's really mad about it. And my point in bringing this up is, I said, I think it's messed up that you can't tell real from fake. You advertise yourself as a truther. It's embarrassing that you get angry about stuff you fall for because you're so gullible. They're tripping over their own gullibility, and then they're getting mad. And then they're trying to share their outrage. I'm just saying, there's no internal checks and balances within trutherism. It's everything goes. It's worse than mainstream. Uh, David Icke had an interesting comment on this as well. He said, what the hell happened to the once alternative media? So the reptilian guy is even criticizing what a mess trutherism has become. And he is one of the biggest contaminators of it all around. So Luke Rudkowski is is full-blown full of hopium here. Let me just play this clip. Future Trump administration, and that would be starting off with uh, Tucker Carlson vice presidency, <laughs> press secretary. Uh, so this is his fantasy about Tucker and Alex Jones and General Flynn all getting major positions with the Trump administration. And David Icke says, what happened to the alternative media? This dream team, this is code for here and no further limited hangout shutting out the real alternative media so the fake alternative can dominate the field and kid people that politics is the answer. I mean, I actually agree with Ike here. I just happen to think that, well, I happen to know that since he pushes false flag theory, he thinks people are really dying. Uh, he's part of the uh, controlled opposition himself. So this is like baked Alaska calling Ray Epps a Fed. But he makes a great point here about the difference between the real alternative and the fake alternative. So he calls it the mainstream alternative media, or MAM. I call it MSM+. But the mainstream alternative media, I used to call it mainstream light. But he says they've gone from exposing the conspiracy a long time ago to being a key part of it. See, I like, I like Alex, I mean, um, uh, David Icke, for the most part. I think he's, I, I, I do, but however, uh, he's married to the nightmare. He's having a nightmare. He's been having this nightmare for decades. He either believes it, and he's duped by it, or he's part of the terror operation, which I think is far more likely, given how much sensitive material he's dealing with when it comes to uh, the bigger picture. You know, they need the truthers to interpret 9-11 in a certain way, and every other subsequent event. Like, and So in other words, I, I would say he's a, a fear pornographer and a propaganda mule. And I'm being nice. I'm, I'm not trying to be... I'm just saying I'm describing his job, his gig, his role. And you're welcome to try to, you know, debate or prove me wrong. Or, you know, I challenge anyone uh, to any of these subjects. But I, I think we've already established the facts here about the nature of media and what it really is and the existence of mind war. And what we're promoting here, what we're actually, I think, leading to is a true peace of mind. Everyone else has adopted the standard, there's a war going on, everyone has some kind of uh, narrative, 
the world stage believers rather a, a narrative that contains it's implicitly at war and I think that's the whole point it's the perpetual war of 1984 George Orwell spoke about but I don't think it's like a literal war but it's the mental equivalent cognitive dissonance 24-7-365 and I'm all for cognitive harmony and what I'm what I mean by this is the dissonance comes from a discrepancy between your internal representation of the world and what you live. There's a discrepancy, and the easiest way to solve the discrepancy is just to put aside your own thoughts on the matter and go with the authority, go with the dominant one, go with the flow. And what I'm suggesting here is that when you recognize the deception for what it is and you separate it, from your perceptions and recognize it's an augmentation that the screen that we have everywhere is not a window to the world but it's in fact a filter when you separate it you in, you actually attain I believe cognitive harmony because now what you experience is consistent with your internal representation of the world because you haven't augmented it with an with a wide array of superstitions and fictions and narratives that are meant to contain you in a specific paradigm you can free your mind by stepping off of the world stage. You can't free it by engaging in infowar, flinging mud back at the other side. You know, what's that expression? I think it's George Bernard Shaw. He said, never wrestle with a pig because you both get muddy and the pig likes it. That's why I'm all about inactivism from an ivory tower. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, I'm not triggered. Not at all. I am not triggered, and that triggers the triggered. Like, how dare you not be triggered? Your lack of triggerishness threatens the rest of us. Like, really? Because I'm not going to panic. I didn't panic in 2020. I'm not going to panic no matter what happens in 2024. Nor am I going to be duped by any of the obvious incoming hoaxes that are being talked about. Like, for example, we've been talking about Laura Loomer decoding predictive programming for the Trump headshot, which means it's going to happen, but it's going to be fake. But she's saying, no, this is a threat. George Soros' son, Alex Soros, here's from a, an example. Alex Soros shared a link to an article from The Atlantic, and MAGA is convinced that it's a coded threat against Trump. Again, truthers and red pillars will say, yeah, this is a coded threat. And I'm saying no, it's predictive programming. But they're getting ahead of it, because they don't want truthers or anybody in the world to think it's fake. It'll blunt the impact of the PSYOP. It, and it, it won't have the same emotional impact, is what, I'm, what I mean. And it won't for us. Like, I'll tell you, I haven't had an emotional response to a news event since, well, I can't even remember, I guess, maybe, maybe the Boston event? I mean, it's been a while. And I haven't missed the stress. I haven't missed the emotional roller coaster. I haven't missed feeling bad for fake dead kids or fake dead anybody. I haven't missed any of it. I don't miss the sense that at any moment we could be annihilated and we probably deserve it. I don't miss the sense there are all kinds of weapons of mass destruction. And I believed in this stuff. Remember, I was military. I was 54 Bravo, NBC. My MOS was uh, nuclear biological chemicals. So I'm fully apprised of all the various ways that the normies believe that we can die like in mass should one person have a really bad day doomsday scenarios i've dispensed with all of those i don't believe in doomsdays in fact here's something else 
The globe model, I would argue, is mainly to introduce scarcity by limiting the amount of space, that is land. So the myth of outer space constrains the actual space that you inhabit. But so too, the end times eschatologies that exist in the scientific paradigm, the religious paradigms, anybody who's watching too much news wearing the end times, that truncates time the same way the globe model would truncate land or limit space. Reducing your frame of reference. Because the newsbenders are writing the news decades in advance, they don't want you to get ahead of that. They want you to be in the now. But let me play this, because right-wing pastor here named Mark Burns is melting down about this bit of predictive programming because they don't know how it works if they're not operatives and part of it. They think this is a threat. But no, it's like, look, if you're going to say that this one image, and we're talking about an image from the Atlantic that has a gun, no, no, it has a bullet hole, and then a stack of cash. And the cash is, I think it totals $47. And like, oh, this is a threat against Trump. But if you're going to suggest that this is a threat against Trump, then you could make the same case and argument for the Snoop Dogg video, Back to the Future, where he's Biff Tannen. I mean, there are so many examples of this. This is not new, is my point. But they're focusing on it because it's almost game time. Let me play this clip. This is Pastor Mark Burns demanding an FBI investigation into this, quote, assassination attempt. He's asking the FBI to investigate predictive programming. This is actually funny. I think that's very dangerous dog whistle messaging that Alex Soros was sending. I mean, we already know that the Soros family, you know, based off of the actions that they've been doing are, are evil people, right? Um, and to put this dog whistle, and many are interpreted as an assassination attempt, um, of so he's calling it a dog whistle. Look, it's not a dog whistle. Nobody would see the article with, oh, it's like broken glass, bullet hole, and a bunch of cash, and say that's a threat against Trump. To arrive at that, you'd have to count the money, say the 47 means Trump, which he hasn't been elected yet, and attach it to the bullet. Honestly, as far as predictive programming goes, it's a miss. I mean, it, it aligns now that they've introduced it into the narrative. It aligns perfectly. But they artificially introduced this. In fact, I would say the fact that Laura Loomer brought it up is very suspect. Because we point to numerous examples of the Trump headshot theme being repeated again and again. But this is like the least obvious one yet. And Laura Loomer brings it out. She's a high-level provocateur. She's, she's got millions of followers. So I'm thinking this is very suspect. And they're trying to get ahead of us in preparation for the next big one. And the next big one is going to be this. Let's continue. President Donald Trump. Um, again, this is a very dangerous time. And I really hope that the FBI would really take a look at this uh, because to me, it's clear messaging. Clear messaging. And it, like I'm saying, it's really actually not that clear. It is not that clear. It's, I wouldn't say it's a reach now that it's been woven into the wider narrative, but it is a reach. And what's more, since it's the Atlantic and Alex Soros, well, it ties right into George Soros, the, the, the bad guy in the Alex Jones paradigm. So when they do this, they can blame the left. Uh, Mark Dawson Jr. posted this. Real 
clear clouds today and blue skies. I guess the evil airports are closed. Haven't seen skies like these in weeks. Now, what I'm pointing out here with the chemtrail believers is faulty causality. Because I would guarantee there was no shutdown in the airports. So what's the difference? I said to him, no, there are different climactic conditions. You're fooling yourself with faulty causality. That's the fallacy. We need to call out the fallacies that go into their, their reasoning. Uh, for example, I have a collection of tweets from chemtrail believers who claim that they can taste the chemtrails. That they can literally taste it. Well, no, they can taste it in the rain. So when it rains, here we go, chemtrail troopers claim they're tasting metal in the rain. So K is for potassium. Salty Orwell 85 says, oh, I'm sorry, Salty Orwell 84. She says, I keep having a metallic taste in my mouth. I thought I was going nuts. Well, good thing you can go on to X and have people tell you you're not nuts for thinking you can taste metal in the rain. Uh, Briar Rose says, yes to the metallic taste, but you can try oil of oregano. It will help. Okay, so if you're going out in the rain and you don't want to taste the chemtrails, try oil of oregano. That's very helpful. I bet this person believes, as many truthers do, that you can boil vinegar to get rid of chemtrails in the sky above your house. Lee Ann says, they sprayed continuously here, heavy on Saturday and Sunday prior to the rain. As of last night, there's a strong metallic taste. It's back. It's saturated the air. My lungs are sensitive. It's awful. All right. Anyway, that's nothing new. I'm just pointing out that uh, there's a logical fallacy that goes into making this correlation between uh, the, the rain and the, tra and, the, and the planes. And then, of course, the tasting of the chemtrails the, the, in the rain, that's their imagination, if anything. Angle of Elevation says they've been planting Trump assassination seeds for years. They could be doing this to incite MAGA into doing something stupid, which they'll probably do. Oh, yeah, look, this has been going on for a long time. 2016, you had Julius Caesar in the park, and he just happened to look like Trump. I mean, this, this is a foregone conclusion. In fact, I would say we can go ahead and bet on it happening just based on past precedent. This is not going to be symbolic, like, oh, he gets his ego damaged or a wig falls off. No, it's a literal JFK-type event. And it was directed, or written, scripted, and it would have been directed, but he's dead. But I'm pretty sure this is going to be a Kubrick production. I imagine it would be... I'm really thinking here that Christopher Nolan would probably be the director for when it goes down. And I'm confident in saying this because predictive programming can be used as a predictive model. And this Laura Loomer thing settles it for me. All right, let's continue. We've come across a lot of interesting material lately. Uh, yesterday we were talking about the Kid Cudi statues. There's giant statues of Kid Cudi everywhere, 33 feet tall with glowing eyes. Well, I was just looking at Ye's trailer for Vultures and if you haven't seen it yet, it's just a bunch of um, Satan worshippers with black robes and glowing eyes running around. So there's Ye in a black robe with glowing eyes. Just pointing it out, there's a theme here. Not quite sure what. 
Uh, something else, Super Bowl is going to be on February 11th at Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas. The address, 3333 L. Davis Way. 3333. Into the Beyond says, Loomer's another one of these repubs that refuse to concede when they lose. Well, Lord Loomer is a provocateur on par with like a Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, Lauren Witzka, or Witzkin. Lauren Witzkin, uh, Stu Peters, uh, they all run together. Uh, MTG, they're all part of the same clique. In fact, MTG even did a retweet on this predictive programming for the Trump head wound. That's pretty, you know, that's, that's a pretty big indicator of how important of a narrative this is. Anx G says he looks like a Jawa with them glowing eyes. Oh, that's right. The Star Wars characters with the glowing eyes. Here we go. Jawas have evolved from a rodent-like creature. Their glowing eyes enable them to see in the dark. Over time, it became a form of... Okay, interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll continue to follow this story with these 33-foot-tall statues, but... All right, here's the article referenced by Right Wing Watch. An article about crime and inflation has stock images of a bullet hole holding cash. Because it totals $47, MAGA world has convinced itself it's a threat against Trump. This is really blowing up. The zip code for the Allegiant Stadium's 89118 says J. Diggs. Right. You have a 9-11 between an 88. Very interesting. But this MAGA meltdown over predictive programming is intriguing. Again, here's the story. 33-foot statue of rapper Kid Cootie floated off the coast of Long Beach on Saturday as a part of some promotional event. It's for his album. I think it's called Insano. But these massive statues, the glowing eyes, not sure what it all means yet. Here's another example of that same number they're seemingly obsessed with. This is Djokovic after his... This is Djokovic Novaks after his win against Taylor Fritz talking about his lucky tree. He says something really strange here about hanging off of a tree for 33 minutes, whatever that means. I'll show you the tree, but you can't tell anyone. It's a big secret. So what you got to do is take off your shoes climb the, the tree, the highest point, and hang upside down <laughs> on one of the highest branches for 33 minutes and, and three seconds. <laughs> and you're going to win a slam. <laughs> I'll show you. Okay, you hang from a tree for 33 minutes. I don't know what that means. Here's a Lauren Witzke. Wants to see Trump return to office so he can go scorched earth. I hope he goes full dictator. Like, I happen to think that she's just a troll. Uh, maybe Ann Coulter light, writes her lines for her. She and Stu Peters and a few others, they say these things that are, I think, meant to be provocative. Which I think they are if you're on the world stage, but it's almost too much of a Poe. You know, parody of extremism. And speaking of Poe, I have a, a Jack Posebeck update as well we'll get to after this.
President Trump, I want you to throw Hillary Clinton and Gitmo, Obama and Gitmo, just all of them. Just like t- clean out the federal government and send them to Guantanamo Bay and like see ya. And I hope he goes full dictator, scorched earth, catapulting illegals over the wall. Like that would be awesome. Catapulting illegals over the wall, throwing everybody in Guantanamo. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ann Coulter is writing her lines. There's no way she's writing this stuff. And this is meant to be inflammatory. But you can see how it's almost like they're a parody. I think it's a parody of extremism. In fact, that is my my take on, on this thing. Ridiculous. Anyway, I've been following a number of these characters for um, a long time, just how it all evolves. And the recent news here happens to do with Jack Posebeck. I used to call him Jack Pizzagate because he kicked off the Pizzagate Satanic Panic. He's done public exorcisms like of Dodger Stadium because some nuns, some the, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, drag queen nuns, perform there. So he's been a big promulgator of the Satanic Panic. And he, he even says that he grew up in the era of the Satanic Panic and he thinks we need another one. And I'm seeing a number of these characters, like Stu Peter, saying it's time to burn books on witchcraft. They're bringing this stuff back, you know, and I'm just pointing out how often these types tend to be major league hypocrites. I mean, look at Ollie Alexander. We don't want to revisit some of this stuff, but I think these guys are all blackmailed. So Jack Poe, parody of extremism. This just came out. Meek Jack Posebeck. Below is a shot of his Bumble account. Now, I don't know what Bumble is. I'm assuming it's a dating site. Created after he was married, um, Jack was, or at least attempting to, cheat on his wife. Don't be like Jack posts Tyler Motes. So apparently he failed to delete evidence of early philandering. This account doesn't look like it's been updated because he looks, um, he doesn't look so ruffled these days. He looks like he's had some kind of stylist and he's a little more mediagenic than this. I don't know if this would have landed him any dates. But he's certainly trying. Interesting that it pops up. Just not surprising. And, you know, I don't care what people do with their lives one bit. However, these are the people who are promoting this MAGA ban ideology. They're purer than thou and all this stuff. Here's Stu Peters, a.k.a. Stupiders. It's what he calls his subscribers. Or what I would... I mean, if you're legitimately subscribing to this guy and not just following him because you're studying another propaganda mule. He says... It infuriates me that the Nazis would have these book burnings unless it's witchcraft or smut. Books should never be burned. So you should go burn witchcraft books and smut. Okay, let's continue. Elephant Tusk says, A friend of mine met his girlfriend on there. Okay, okay. It's a site where women can contact men only a one-way type of thing. Oh, and it was a friend. Okay, so somebody knows somebody who used that site. I appreciate the insight there. A simulation reality posted this one. 33-foot statues with glowing eyes appearing around the world. And you can see here the glowing eyes, uh, very similar to what we see in vultures. Again, we're talking about the the Yay thing. And I think Yay and Kid Cudi have worked together. I've seen some articles talking about their interactions. So there's some kind of uniformity of messaging here. Not quite sure what it is. Okay, moving on. I want to get through all my notes here. Okay, here it is. Juanita Broderick, whose claim to fame is she was a Clinton victim. 
and she's working with Roger Stone, has become sort of a, a provocateur. Uh, she and Marjorie Taylor Greene are here retweeting this. Juanita says, they're openly posting this. What are they planning behind closed doors? President Trump's protection and safety should be vamped up. MTG shares this as well. Again, we're talking about this vague bit of... And look, I don't know many auto-hoaxers who would have said this is a Trump thing. It's a bullet hole in cash. You have to sit there and count it. And then you arrive at 47. But if Biden wins, then maybe it's it doesn't connect to Trump in any logical way until Laura Loomer made that assertion. Alex Soros tweets out a bullet hole in 47, a direct violent threat to Donald Trump by Jim Hoft. Do you believe this? Like, this is not a legitimate piece of predictive programming, if you get my point. It doesn't connect to Trump. Until they made that connection, and now we can see how it's just reinforcing what we've been saying all along. We have actually just seen now the mainstream merging with this narrative that we've been seeing brewing for years. They've just mixed it in. They've connected it. So we'll see where this goes. All right, continuing here. NASA finally opens OSIRIS-REx asteroid sample canister after a stuck lid issue. Uh, if you remember, OSIRIS-REx went out there to shoot, or rather to blow up a chunk of a a space rock and bring it back. It was like a, the Bennu stone. So if you break down the symbolism here, Osiris, Rex, Bennu stone, well, King Osiris went to the Bennu stone. Bennu is a proto-phoenix, the ancient Egyptian deity linked with the sun, creation, and rebirth, the original inspiration for the phoenix legends that developed in Greek mythology. But Osiris Rex went to this asteroid called Bennu and it returned to Earth in September, dropping off material from it, if you believe this stuff. I mean, it, it's all some kind of ritual, if you ask me. But they finally got the sample canister lid open. Jay Diggs says, We did a lot of 47 for Highland Park, and the video game Hitman features Agent 47. Yeah, Highland Park shooter, uh, Robert Crimo, spitting image of one of the Stranger Things kids, which is interesting because the other Stranger Thing kid, uh, L, looks like the Covenant school shooter, Aubrey, or Audrey Hale, or Aiden Hale. But yeah, he had a, an obsession, an inexplicable obsession with the number 47. If you remember the story on 4-7 or the 4th of July, there was a parade in Highland Park. At the same time, the Parkland High shooter was on the news because he was given his sentencing. So like, wait, Parkland High, now you have Highland Park, another crazy person. But the Highland Park shooter has a 47 tattooed on his temple. He has the word awake tattooed under his other eye. He has a 47 on his car. And on his wall, he has a picture of Lee Harvey Oswald. And he spends his time dressed up as Waldo, you know, like the red and white sweater from Where's Waldo, going to Trump rallies. So think about it. Some guy obsessed with Lee Harvey Oswald dresses up as Waldo and goes to Trump rallies. Being obsessed with the number 47 has it tattooed on the side of his head as Trump's team introduces hats 
with the 45 on the side of the head, and now 45 and 47, which is easily a code for 9-11. But the numbers on the temple, the reference to the side of the head, the shooter obsessed, the sniper obsessed with Lee Harvey Oswald, the 4-7, the date, it's all there. If you put it all together, you know, where's uh, Waldo? Where's Oswaldo? Well, he's out there at a Trump rally waiting to pull the trigger. Meanwhile, as he's shooting up this parade, which is all fake, by the way, his mother's shopping at Target. And you see these pictures when the news breaks, and you see his mom holding a Target bag, which has a Target on it, which not only connects to the theme of a sniper, but connects to some predictive programming elements within Kubrick's work from Full Metal Jacket, where the character Joker, who actually represents JFK, has that target symbol on the side of his head. But yeah, 47, then you had, of course, player 47 gets his throat slashed, the hockey player. Then you have 47-year-old Derek Chauvin getting stabbed 22 times. Meanwhile, of course, the guy who got slashed was slashed by player 22. We've seen a lot of stuff with the number 47. And then it was Super Bowl 47 that was the blackout bowl in 2013 that went dark for 33 minutes. So I've been looking at this for some time thinking this 47th presidency is going to be the blackout bowl. That that was some kind of foreshadowing. And there's quite a lot that builds on this, especially when you look at the people who were there. Okay, continuing, going through some comments. Elephant Tusk says, Soros actually owns Target. Well, you know, Target is an interesting uh, part of this psyop in, in the culture war. And it ties into Jack Posobiec and Audrey Hale shooting up the school. It was Target where you had an actual Satanist, non-binary, designing rainbow-colored clothes, which obviously triggered everybody on the right. And you had these right-wing MAGA rappers going into Target, uh, rapping about these rainbow clothes, talk, saying that Target was grooming. And then Target was getting threats, so they started this narrative that the MAGA ban are now terrorists, causing Targets to shut down. But the point of it is, this is part of the satanic panic narrative that Jack Posobiec was pushing, and he was saying, we need to get Audrey Hale's manifesto because he suspected it was a satanic attack because it was shooting up Christian children in a Christian school. Well, the first thing she did, well, after she started shooting the kids, according to the narrative, she went into the chapel and she shot Adam in the stained glass. And this is also interesting, interesting as well, if you think about it, uh, because shooting Adam, the first created man, ties in to a couple of things. One, the Stranger Things character L stands for Eleven. And she kills number one, the first created mind-controlled slave that she's a part of this like uh, group of mind-control subjects. Well, she kills number one, uh, who's a male, like killing Adam by Aiden Hale shooting the stained glass. But the killing of Adam, the slashing of the throat of the hockey player, number 47, his name was Adam. Splitting Adam. Oppenheimer came out this year, the splitting of the Adam. And it all ties, I believe, into a couple of things without getting too, we'll get into this anyway, I wanted to talk about Barbieheimer, but the splitting of the Adam thing has to do with the death of, or emasculation of the male, the kenification, as we introduce the horror of Babylon Barbie, which is what Barbie represents. So, it, the Barbie movie, 
was introducing this horror of Babel and this new female archetype, Barbie feminism, with the emasculated Ken doll. She becomes a real woman, he's still just got a nub. Adam, or the male, has been slashed. So that's part of it. Uh, the, the nuke with Oppenheimer, the splitting of the atom, it, it correlates with the splitting of the nuclear family, represented, of course, by Barbie and Barbie feminism. So it's part of the bigger picture here, the, the meta-narrative, the Barbieheimer thing. But, again, we're getting into the destruction of the stained glass image of Adam by a trans shooter who was mad at patriarchy and white privilege. That was in her manifesto. So it was a leftist ideologue shooter. I mean, last year was very interesting Metascript-wise because that was a major plot twist to go from right-wing, bull-cut, neo-Nazi shooters to Reddit agitated shooters sometimes uh, one of them the narrative was in order to take a stand against the second amendment and make a point about how anybody can get a gun this anti-gun crusader gets a gun and shoots a bunch of people i mean they introduced leftist shooters and what we saw was now this narrative of Right-wing media agitates people and creates shooters. we got to do something to censor Discord. we got to censor te Telegram. Well, now, right-wingers, starting with Jack Posebeck, Jack Bumble, um, now he's saying, yeah, we got to censor Reddit because it's creating left-wing ideologue shooters like Aiden Hale and a number of others. Inks G says Soros owns AutoZone as well. Well, you know, Soros is just kind of a a straw man, if you ask me. He's a villain. Like, okay, you, you got these billionaire villains left and right. Like on the left and, and the right, you've got billionaire villains slash saviors. So Bill Gates, he's a villain to the right, savior to the left. Elon Musk, savior to the right, villain to the left. And you can go down the list of all these billionaires. So even though the right wing sees George Soros as a villain, the left sees him as a savior. And as I've been saying, it's axiomatic. Any one of these bifurcated psyops, if it, in other words, if it's split down the middle, if one half thinks it's fake, one half thinks it isn't, if one half is looking at this as salvation, the other sees it as death, it's fake. If it's split down the middle, it's fake. This whole mind war is built around the schism. I released a book in 2022 called The Schism in Everything, which really tied into this theme of the Kraken and the Kraken everything, which um, I should have called it the Kraken everything because it was all about the Kraken symbolism. But it was about this ideological divide that goes deeper than party platform. It goes into um, Freudian levels of, of um, depths when they're talking about primal fears and insecurities. For example, gun grab and the the womb regulation. They know they're going to grab our guns. They're going to regulate our wombs. Male, female, toxic masculinity, toxic femininity, left, right. I'm just seeing these splits and we are elucidating all these splits down the line where you can pretty much know everyone's opinions if you can just figure out what one issue they actually believe in. Just one thing will give you a clue. It's so compartmentalized. We live in a compartmentalized world. Elephant Tusk says it's odd that the Floyd thing started with AutoZone. Yeah, if you remember the riots 
following the George Floyd event kicked off and I think the first building, one of the first buildings was an auto zone and you had the guy with the black umbrella smashing the windows. And then you had in Seattle they founded Chazistan which is called an autonomous zone. So people had made connections between the guy with the black umbrella at the auto zone and the Antifas with their umbrellas at the autonomous zone. If you remember they were using the umbrellas to block cameras from live streamers. So there was a lot of connection between AutoZone and Autonomous Zone, which later became, it was like the Capital Autonomous Zone, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, Chaz. That's where we get Chazistan. Uh, 2020 was a fascinating year. We're going to have to go back and revisit some of this stuff because much of it was templated on the political turmoil of 1967, 1968. Like 1968 and 2020 had dozens of repeated elements that were um, obviously coordinated and it actually followed 1969 correlated strongly with 2021 even including an anniversary date moon landing was it 720 1969 and then 720 2021 bezos did an anniversary launch g33 says pyramid on the dock of, on the back of the bill world reserve currency compartmentalization yeah, I find that pyramid to be fascinating. And, you know, at the bottom it says 1776. Well, you know, in 1776, on the Masonic calendar, the year was actually 5,776. They add 4,000 years. They begin with the year of light, like Anu Lucius or something. So it was 5776 in 1776. Well, anyone care to guess how tall the Great Pyramid in Giza is in inches? Yep, 5,776. Now there's a deeper meaning to this because 1776 AD, the American dollar bill, the pyramid connection obviously is there. But if you look at that Masonic calendar and you walk time back, according to their lore and their timetable and their mythology, 1776 AL is when the Tower of Babel's construction began. So this correlates the founding of America and this, the symbolism of the pyramid with the Tower of Babel. And I think America is Babylon and the Tower of Babel is the monolithic one world control, the space program, and it's about to fall, the internet, the one world unity the language that binds us all, the unity above. In fact, the movie ISS that I just watched a few days ago specifically deals with the dissolution of harmony above, that we no longer have international solidarity. The Tower of Babel falls. In fact, at the end of the movie, that's actually what happens. And the date, 119, has a lot of symbolism. We've attached to a number of movies, predictive programming. So the fact that they release it on that day is not a coincidence. Also ties to Genesis 11.9 about the Tower of Babel falling. All right, let's see what else we have going on. Elephant Tusk says, no coincidence if you understand how the simulation works. I agree with you, but I also disagree. Like, what I'm, what I'm pointing out, these, these are not coincidences as the result of a higher power. That would be a divine fallacy. 
Um, these are simulations in the sense that it's a narrative framework, the contemporary mythologies that augment our worldview and how we see the world. But I say that the world itself isn't fake. The news is fake. There's a difference. And what another point here is belief doesn't create reality. I get tired of having to say that, but sometimes, you know, you get this new ageism where people think, if we can just wake everybody up, reality will change. And no, belief doesn't create reality. And what it does, you know, belief systems, is they can only modify your internal representation of it. All right, continuing. Uh, Constant Elevation says, 1776 will commence again if you try and take our neighbor's ass jerky. Did Alex Jones say that? Because he did say, six weeks into the pandemic, that he was ready to eat his neighbor's posterior and feed it to his daughters, and he said he wouldn't even tell them what they were eating. So I'm like, that's interesting. Before you reach into your storable food items, of which you're a major connoisseur, and you obviously have storage facilities, I mean, I don't think Alex Jones could ever run out of MREs. Yet, before he touches his own stash, he's going to eat everybody else's asses first, like literally. And that's what he said, literally. I think later, someone said, hey, you got to tone it down and say you're being satirical, like, like Jonathan Swift, about eating the poor. But he wasn't being satirical. We watched him melting down real time. He was scared. But he did say 1776 will commence again if you try to take the guns. And that was when he was on Piers Morgan. And that was with regard to a claim that the DHS was purchasing 1.6 billion hollow point rounds, which Jones said is to get the Patriots. Now remember, Alex Jones was radicalized at Waco, where 33-year-old Dave Koresh, believed by his followers to be Jesus Christ, was incinerated. Same place where Timothy McVeigh was radicalized. McVeigh, again, another one of these right-wing martyrs, executed at 33 but Jones was there. Well, why was the ATF there burning the place? Because of 1.6 million rounds. A weapons violation. Again, 1.6 billion, 1.6 million. And then, fast forward, January 6th, Alex Jones is there. Front row, next to the buffalo guy with the spear. So January 6th has been planned for a long time. And it has to do with the turning point, the Turner Diaries, and this reaction from... The, these far-right nationalists, domestic violent extremists. The Turner Diaries is coming to life right now, and we're watching it, and it's being led by the Turning Point USA political action group. Plain decoded says ISS is the same as 911. I is ninth letter. S is the 19th. 1 plus 9 is 10. 1 plus 0 is 1, so 911. Correct. ISS has 911 encoded into it, and I'm connecting this, the Titanic, the sinking of the Titanic, the sinking of the Twin Towers, and the sinking of the space station represents the culmination of the fall of the Tower of Babel. It's a work in progress. It's metascripted. It's a story being told across multiple generations. And you can see how all these things are intricately connected. And it, tie, and it all ties into, interestingly, well, just really quick here, James Cameron was filming Ghosts in the Abyss on 9-11 at the site of the Titanic. So towers sink, James Cameron is down there 
ghosts in the abyss. Well, Revelation 9-11 has to do with the abyss and the destroyer in the abyss. So you have this connection already merging between the destroyer, which is a frequent theme, the Terminator, the destroyer, it's a James Cameron theme. But you're connecting here not only James Cameron physically being at the Titanic when the Twin Towers, when the towers actually sink, but he's filming a movie that references the phrase abyss, and he's the one who filmed the movie Titanic four years prior, which contains 9-11 predictive programming, as in the Titanic splits in two, one part sinks, then the other, jumpers coming off one side of it like the Twin Tower jumpers. And he did Terminator 2, which, you know, T2 has some Twin Tower connections, but that movie also has 9-11 predictive programming. And, of course, you have the Terminator, which is another word for the destroyer in the abyss. You know, the Terminator, the destroyer is called Term, um, Apollyon, which means Terminator, or Exterminator. So, in other words, there's connections between, metascript-wise, sinking of the Titanic, the Twin Towers falling down. And now we can connect this also to the ISS in a number of ways. And that's one of the things I've been uh, focusing on because I think this is the master plan. And when you look at the ISS, any of the images, and look at the solar array in any of the shots where you can see it against the Earth, it always seems to be portrayed or often is portrayed um, somewhat resembling the Twin Towers. As in the solar panels, when you zoom in, you focus on them, it looks like the Twin Towers. So I think what we're seeing again, and one more point here, the One World Trade Tower, which opened on 11-3 and replaced the Twin Towers 13 years after, is 1,776 feet high. It's in New York, where you have the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, I believe it's the world's largest cathedral, and that's the one that has New York as Babylon. And it has the Twin Towers carved into a pillar being bowled over by a tidal wave. So the idea of America as Babylon is implicit into the dollar bill and that symbolism with the pyramid and the Masonic story of the construction of the Tower of Babel. And all of this connects to right now. And one more point, when Bezos went to space on the anniversary of Apollo 11, it was on the anniversary date, but it was also it launched at 9-11 a.m. So Bezos, who on the metascripted level represents Nimrod, the builder of the Tower of Babylon. So for him to go to space on the anniversary of Apollo 11, launching at 9-11, I think is symbolic of what happens once man reaches the heavens and God knocks the tower down. Because what does Apollo 11 represent? Man walking on the moon. Man uh, transgressing into the heavens when he was told to go across the face of the world but instead they amalgamate into one one language and go up so the Tower of Babel falling is also forecasted and leave the world behind with all the planes falling and that movie is replete with Donnie Darko references and Donnie Darko released on 119 so 9-11 and 119 has many connections to things falling from the sky and I think the ISS is slated to fall next. And I, I guess it's related to that nine days before Bezos launched, Richard Branson did. And it happened to be on the 42nd anniversary of Skylab falling. And the number 42 
is often correlated with the idea of falling. If you look at the symbolism, the op like for 33 is generally associated with ascension, while 42 is with falling in darkness. Okay, let's see here. G33 says he's Bill Hicks, right? Comedian. Yeah, Alex Jones is a comedian. He's actually a funnier comedian as Alex Jones than he was as Bill Hicks, in my opinion. If you want to give credit, where due. Just because I disagree with somebody's political opinions, or just because we know that they're propaganda mules, uh, doesn't mean we can't appreciate them for their craft. And he's very good at what he does. And, and his commercials are hilarious. Violet says, I like how in the ISS movie they're making a cure for radiation. What bad writing. Yeah, actually that was terrible. They're making a cure for radiation poisoning in space. God, the movie was genuinely terrible. The female astronauts had their hair slicked down, tied back. There was not a loose hair in the film. And why? Because the way the ISS represents the hair of female astronauts in space is redonkulous. It's like stiff with hairspray, or they're obviously hanging upside down. It moves unnaturally, not like it does on a parabolic flight. And in this movie, if they had these astronauts floating around and their hair moved naturally, and it wasn't sticking straight up like some kind of a glam rocker, people would have said, wait a minute, how come the, the hair on the ISS is super fake? And I think they got that tip from us, because they, they didn't leave that open. And also, at the intro to the movie, they showed a lot of bubbles in space. So now, when people see bubbles in space, because they do spacewalks underwater, they're going to say, oh, that's just space dust, like we saw in the movie. Those are a couple of examples. And then one more point, too. When they go on the spacewalks in the movie, outer space is crystal clear. You don't have the light diffusion that you do on the, quote, real ISS spacewalks. There's like 25 years of that ISS blooper reel. They can't go back and correct it. It's too late. We have too much evidence. It takes a little bit of visual literacy. I mean, I, I have years of editing, you know, video editing. And so I, I naturally see these things. Although what's weird is I didn't see them for the longest time. Like, for example, even while I was video editing and doing animation, I didn't process the ISS footage as fake. I just was, you know, that's how this thing works. The screen. It's like another sensory apparatus and it's just giving you a window to what's out there. There's no, there's no pause. And that's what skepticism is. It's a pause. You know, you pause, you suspend judgment until you have enough information. But before I became a media skeptic, there was no pause. You see it, you just assume that it's been vetted. It wouldn't be on TV if it wasn't vetted. So you give the screen some kind of implicit argument from authority on whatever it says. It visually lies. Okay, let's continue. Violet says, someone here watching believes in the ISS. Well, we have a couple of people who kind of believe in it, whereas like they haven't seen it. And some have even tried. We and we talked. We had a caller the other night who spent two nights out in the desert with a astrophotographer, and they had the app, and they weren't able to see the ISS. Although I would have 
left, you know, like half an hour after sun, um, sunset. No reason to stay out overnight. Hey, here's a little known fact. You can't see satellites at night. Not just because they're fake. You can't see them at night because they necessarily have to reflect the sun. And it would be impossible for an object in low Earth orbit to reflect the sun in the middle of the night. But there's just this common misperception that people have seen it. You know, people reflexively lie to defend the screen because they think they've perceived it. They become liars when they take the world stage as a given. You know, for example, how many people have you heard say, Oh, I know the Earth is curved. I've looked out the plane window. It's like, uh, no, you haven't. And I used to get a lot of callers who would say, yeah, I've been seeing the ISS. It just flew over, and I'll call back in half an hour, and I'll tell you if it's flown over again. And they'd say, I just saw it again. And until I introduced to the believers an understanding about the 870,000-mile column of darkness, a.k.a. Earth's shadow, until I pointed that out, none of them knew there was a shadow, and they thought you could just see lights all night long, and they're just satellites flying around. It doesn't work that way. And they don't just float anyway. They're not just floating around. They're falling at 17,000 miles per hour. Okay, continuing. I want to talk more about Doomsday. I got a number of messages from a number of people who kind of think that I'm downplaying the threatening nature of reality. And I'm saying, no, I'm advocating peace of mind. And at this point, I kind of want to have a breakaway from all of the, the doomsdayism, the cultural pessimism. Um, I think that all of that is psychological warfare. And if they're putting you into a state of fight or flight, I think you're engaged in the MK Ultra program. And I'd like to disengage from that. Like, I would even go so far as to say that the only legitimate anti-war effort there is is media skepticism because all of it is ultimately mind war and that's where it all begins. Uh, look at this tweet from David Icke. He said, someone had asked, can somebody remind me who did this? I can't remember. And it has the Twin Towers blowing up. And Icke says, Mossad, CIA, and Pentagon mate. See, there you go. David Icke is controlled up. Uh, CJ Synchromorphia said, Hollywood, homie. Fake AF. Yeah, that's what, exactly. Hollywood. So who, who did 9-11? Stanley Kubrick. I think we can give Stanley Kubrick credit. Give credit where it's due. Stanley Kubrick did 9-11. And it was a movie. And if you can't process that as good news, you've internalized the dismal, dystopian world stage that they've given us. And the blue pillars are blissfully ignorant, having a dream. And the red pillars, including David Icke, are living a nightmare. Okay, I have to go. Thanks for joining. This is Autohooks or GTFO. I'll send out archives. And again, check your inbox if you haven't read the newsletters or check the archives from yesterday because you can get a link to the Bonversation number 36. And the second half goes on for almost two hours. We covered a lot of things. Anyway, have a great evening.
You are listening to Infinite Plane Radio. Stick around for live call-in shows. Stay for the music and recent replays. Join us at infiniteplane.live for 24-7 live chat with other listeners.